When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And my last name, I hate it. I hate myself already. I, I've fallen in this trap. Uh, I want you guys to make fun of me because I feel bad for it. I kind of maybe sort of buying into taking a chance on TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast with your host Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, and we are going to go through our sleepers and our deep sleepers. But before we get into those lists that we've put together, there's been a ton of news over the last 48 hours. Um, and it's that time of the year now where we're getting head coaches, GMs, and even owners that are talking uh, almost every day to reporters. And that is helpful as we head into these fantasy drafts when we have injuries and things that you need to pay attention to. So, one that I was particularly sad to see, uh, and that's because I think I've, I'm, everybody on the show is really high on the Colts, but I'm super high on the Colts uh, as a team and from a fantasy perspective. And if Andrew Luck isn't healthy, uh, I think we can all figure out what they're going to look like from a fantasy perspective. It's not going to be anywhere near what they will be with Andrew Luck. He has a, he has an injury that went from a calf strain and is now a high ankle sprain. We had both GM Chris Ballard talking with reporters and then Jim Irsay talking with reporters. Um, listen, guys, we, we've had this back and forth with Andrew Luck. What is your level of concern? Because we will not see him in the preseason at all. It, it's pretty high right now just because I, I hate when these injuries start to change. And we start talking about a bone issue, I believe, is the, the phrase that Jim Irsay used. I, I just get nervous, and I, I know now we live in a hypersensitive sports world when it comes to calf injuries, given what happened to Kevin Durant on a on a massive stage. I don't know if we're dealing with that specifically, but you do have to be concerned that this injury has lingered the entire training camp, an entire preseason so far. I don't really care that we're not seeing him in preseason games. I care that we're not seeing him in them because he's hurt. I think that that is a factor. If he's on the field week one, I'm not going to be that overly concerned but it's something you have to consider now and I have to drop him out of that top tier of quarterbacks I had him up there with Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers he was the number three guy for me but I think he comes back down to the pack a little bit where he's in the Deshaun Watson and Matt Ryan territory now where I can't really take him unless I'm getting into round six seven or beyond at this point yeah guys look I'm concerned I know the kid I know how damn tough he is I know how he wants to be out there he doesn't necessarily need a ton of reps but if you think back to like the end of Dan Marino's career where he had like the giant high tide, the highest high top of all time, and it was like damn near to his calf on his, on his right leg, he's not that player because Dan Marino couldn't move before he jacked up that ankle and had that giant boot on. Andrew is just as athletic as Cam Newton. His combine numbers prove that. He moves around a ton. And I agree with Jamie, man. When this stuff starts going from a calf to an ankle, and it's not just Kevin Durant, guys. I mean, you're talking about like Richard Sherman. There's been a bunch of guys with – Achilles tendonitis or calf tendonitis, and they blow, and the Achilles blows. And I'm not saying that's the case, but this thing's lingering way too much for a really athletic guy. If he's out there week one, I know his toughness. He doesn't need a ton of reps to be really, really good. But I know how tough he is, and it's definitely starting to scare the hell out of me. And even if he drops a little bit, he's still going to be overdrafted. Uh, from a fantasy value, it's really starting to get into that territory. I'm getting nervous. My my level of concern is high for the players around him because when you look at what T.Y. Hilton's value is and some of these other guys, if Andrew Luck isn't healthy, it's not the same offense. It's just not going to be. So it's just something to monitor, um, obviously, as we continue to get news about that. The next player we want to talk about here is Emmanuel Sanders, who first and foremost reportedly had tightrope surgery on his other ankle. Okay, so not only did he have his Achilles surgery, but then he had tightrope surgery on the other ankle, like a two-for-one deal. I heard a lot of people joking about he just went in for surgery, and they're like, yeah, you might as well just take care of both. But the big news here is that Vic Fangio says that he's going to be ready to play in the preseason. He was scrapping with Cortland Sutton, and one of the reporters that follows the team was like, listen, he looks – 
he was he was fighting fighting with Cortland Sutton like they were scrapping and he's like he looks pretty damn good he looks ready to go so this would be news to us if Emmanuel Sanders is one ready to go in the preseason and two could be starting week one Jamie what is your level of uh excitement I guess or how are you going to evaluate this with Emmanuel Sanders because most people had him outside of their top 200 and not drafting him right away because the injury concern obviously coming into the season yeah it's it's tough because I was one of those people that didn't even have him ranked for a long time and I, I think he finally cracked my rankings last week I actually moved him in uh, up to number 40 in my wide receiver rankings this year it's a risk obviously uh, I'm there is not a strong really any track record of guys coming back in year one or really even beyond that off of a major Achilles surgery and having a ton of success, you know, at a skill position. It does happen occasionally, but there's not a lot of that. And considering when he tore his Achilles to this point, I mean, he is so far ahead of schedule. It's it's almost like Adrian Peterson-like. Um, I want to see him on the field for in real game action. I want to see what the muscles around that Achilles look like. Does he have a lot of strains in, in his lower leg when he's back on the field playing at full speed in real games? But for somebody that right now, if you could take him as your fifth or sixth or seventh receiver off your bench, he's got wide receiver two upside. If he's on the field, we've seen it. Yeah, guys, look, you're talking about a young team and a lot like Demarius Thomas last year, a guy with a pretty big cap value that I think they'd like to move on from. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they want to get him on the field in the preseason as trade bait for injuries or teams that are thin at wide receiver for veteran presence to prove that he's healthy enough to play. They move on from that cap value. They maybe pick up a draft pick. Because uh, they got a lot of young receivers that they want to play, and he's going to be taking the place of some of those. And we've talked about we're all a little bit higher on him than most people are. Um, I agree with Jamie. I mean, if, if he's going to be one of those last two rounds, and you're talking about Kenny Stills or some of these other guys, maybe you're getting in the fifteenth round. There's there's definitely a place for him, even if he's on somebody else's team, even if he doesn't play till October. Maybe a great waiver wire addition later on if he goes undrafted in a lot of these plays. I still love the player, and he's a veteran that can run every route in the route tree. He's not just a burner, even though he's a really fast guy. Uh, so he's even if he's not 100% coming off this, he's still going to be very productive in the right system. All right, another player that we got some injury updates on here is Kenyon Drake. Seen walking around in a walking boot. Uh, Brian Flores talked about him today. This comes from Armando uh, Salguera on Twitter. He was at practice this morning. Flores said that Kenyon Drake is in a walking boot, has an injury that will last a while, but said the team is hopeful he will be ready for the opener. So that is a bit concerning because in the same sentence, you're saying he has an injury that will last a while, but is hopeful that he will be ready for the opener. So I know we saw that Kenyon Drake might not be the guy there anyways. Um, guys, what are your thoughts here in this Miami running back room? Well, that Kalen Balaj is going to be the starting running back, and now they have the easiest path to making that decision without there being much fanfare. Um, not, I'm not saying that there's this, this injury isn't legitimate. It absolutely is. It's just I, I have so much concerns now because I was willing to write off the Adam Gase era and say, you know what, Adam Gase just didn't like Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake's going to now get the opportunity to be the featured back. But then a new coaching staff came in and basically came to the same conclusion that Adam Gase did in the second half of last season, which was Caitlin Balazs deserves as many, if not more touches than Kenyon Drake. Uh, for me, I'm taking Drake now very late when the last couple picks is a flyer because I'm not sure he's going to be worthy of being on your roster, but the chance that he could possibly get 15 touches at some point when he's healthy is worthy at least using him in the last one or two rounds. But I think this propels Kalen Balaj up a little bit. I think you have to now look at Kalen Balaj as a guy that is going to get that starting opportunity in week one and has the opportunity to continue to earn it. I'm not sure Kenny Drake is going to take the job back from Balaj unless Balaj gives it back to him. Yeah, I agree. Look, the guys, this was another one that was on my kind of radar as, as potential trade bait. Uh, if he plays in the preseason, I don't know that his value for a trade actually changes a hell of a lot uh, with the injury. Probably a little bit, but I think it's another guy they'd like to move on from. Balazs is a big dude that can catch it out of the backfield. Uh, we saw him a lot at Arizona State. Um, I like the player. I think he fits with what they're going to do. I agree with Jamie. I think he was probably going to win the battle anyway, which tells me that they definitely want to move on from Kenyon Drake because they're not going to pay him when his free agency comes up. Um, I think I'd have to take Drake off the board right now, unless again, like Jamie's saying, maybe the last round as a flyer, but 
but I like him better if he's somewhere else than I do now. I mean, if Duke Johnson's value is a fourth round pick, I think Kenyon Drake's at least that good, if not better in the right situation. What situation that is, who knows? Because we're talking about two different coaching staffs, as Jamie mentioned, that don't like him very much. All right, cover your ears, Cowboys fans, because the the news that continues to come out of Cowboys camp is not good. All right, it never did. We got Dak issues, we got Zeke holding out, and now we got Amari Cooper with an injury. Now it doesn't seem like it's they're hopeful that he's going to be ready to go, but Jamie, when you're looking at this team in general, this was a team that I know you were high on going into the season. Um, from a fantasy perspective, obviously we argued Zeke Elliott to be the number one overall running back, but now you've got Amari Cooper injured, you got Zeke still holding out, you got Dak and his contract and $40 million that he wants. What are what is your level of concern with Amari first and foremost, and what is your level of concern with this team? And and should Cowboys fans freak out a little bit? So for Amari Cooper, it's still small right now. He's still my wide receiver thirteen. I'm not really dropping him at this point. I'm kind of keeping an eye on this, something to monitor. If you have him in a keeper league, or if you're not drafting for a couple of weeks, keep an eye on this. But I have a hard time believing, barring a, a massive setback, that he still wouldn't be in that solid middle wide receiver two reigns. I have him as an elite wide receiver two right now, but I doubt he's dropping too far. If I'm a Cowboys fan, I'd be panicking right now. And the issue is, is you're in a Super Bowl window. This team is capable. They're not the favorite, and I'm not going to predict them to go, but this team could win a Super Bowl with the players on their roster all on the field at the same time. They will not come even close, and they will not win the division without Ezekiel Elliott, period. But if they're without Elliott and then Cooper for some amount of time, I'm not sure they're even a playoff team. I'm saying you should panic just because it's fun when Cowboys fans do. Uh, but I, if I was one, one, if I was one, I'd start to get there pretty quick. Now the thing with Amari Cooper is he's a guy that runs really good routes. He's got enough speed, but a plantar fascia could linger all season. It's a lot like a turf toe; they don't go away. So if you're going into the season, you're talking about a guy that's not practicing a ton on Thursday, probably not practicing on Friday maybe not really ready to practice on Wednesday coming off the last game. A lot of shots in that foot, a lot of treatment all the time. And if he's a step slower, his production is going to go down. Uh, without Zeke, they, they're nothing. So there is way too many questions and way too much drama going on in Cowboy land. And you know what? You heard Jerry very quiet for a while. And Jerry spoke up was yesterday or the day before. And Jerry starts talking, man, it ain't a good thing for Zeke. So... <laughs> My, my level of concern is getting higher and higher than, than it was. I was kind of be, trying to be patient, letting some of this stuff work itself out. But then the, the DAT contract came up, and then all of a sudden, okay, oh, yeah, and Amari has a plantar fascia. Ugh, yeah, I, I'd start panicking here soon. Yeah, this continues to get worse. Uh, Not to mention Robert Quinn got the suspension coming off. I, yeah, he had hand surgery because he broke his hand. But, like, that's another level of drama of stuff that, of a guy they were counting on. Listen, if, you, if the second Jerry starts talking – Y'all better, y'all better watch out because this is, this is not going to be good. This is not going to be good for this team. And and as Jake has said, off the podcast and on this podcast, you're not going to win a battle against Jerry Jones. Don't matter who you are. So good luck to you, Cowboys fans. I know that this is going to be a rough couple of weeks until we actually kick off the season. Uh, let's get into our sleepers here, guys. I want to kick things off with Sportsline. Okay, CBS has a. Uh, a projection model that you can pay for that they have that does fantasy and gambling tips. And and each and every year they have one specific player that they project out as a sleeper. Now, if you want to go to CBS and go to Sportsline, I'm not going to read you this list. This list is impressive. Okay. I went back over the last 15 years and I'm saying 14 out of 15. Like they hit every year. So it's something to pay attention to. So I want to kick our sleepers lift off with somebody that I know all of us are in agreement here, I think, with with this pick, and it's Mohamed Sanu. Uh, Jamie, do you like this pick? This comes from ADP. This comes from – they have a, a whole projection that they do involving AI that, that projects out a player each year, and this is the guy that they spit out this year. Yeah, I love it. He's on my list as well. And, look, I, I don't know what people are missing with Mohamed Sanu. Right now his current ADP is 191. So in a lot of places he's not even being drafted right now. I have him in my top 100. I, I think he's a player that he's attached to a really good offense. He's been very productive in that offense. He's finished top 45 in fantasy points per game among wide receivers each of the past two years. And then just think about something. What happens if Julio Jones gets hurt? What happens if Calvin Ridley gets hurt? All of a sudden, you're looking at a player that can play anywhere on the field for Atlanta 
that's all of a sudden has wide receiver two upside. I am grabbing Mohamed Sanu everywhere. I'm actually disappointed that he's a sports line guy just because now more people are going to be aware of it. He's being severely underdrafted. He's the 77th wide receiver off the board in ADP. 77th. Yeah, sign me up I, for I, that. I don't understand it. You basically took everything I was going to say. <laughs> said Look, he plays all three positions. He's smart as hell. Extremely cerebral player. If he's playing in the slot, he can run every route in the route tree. Phenomenal hands. By the way, can throw the hell out of it. All the way around, he knows this offense as good as anybody. And if anything happens, either one of those guys, he can play everywhere. If all three of them are out there, I still absolutely love his value because Matt Ryan loves him. He's a matchup nightmare if he's playing the slot. He still gets open, and he catches everything. Larry Fitzgerald's catch radius is Muhammad Sanu's. Absolutely love the player and shouldn't be a sleeper, but he is. It's another guy that's going way down drafts that you can snatch up and have on your team that you're damn sure and be glad you did. Yeah, I'm just telling you guys, this sports line model, the the go check it out on CBS.com. You can check out their, their sports line, and it's one of the things that I actually pay attention to each and every year. And this line, this th- these players, it's something to pay attention to. Uh, hopefully, in a, in a, hopefully, none of my uh, my high school buddies are listening to the podcast, and because I'm hoping that Muhammad Sanu will drop to me. I know it's not going to happen in our in our TDN league because somebody ahead of us is is probably going to take him. Probably going to be one of you two that snakes him away from me. Um, but I, I want to get into Jake your list first. Uh, of sleepers of guys I know we've you've been doing a lot of mock drafts so this is Jamie's going to hit on deep sleepers Jake's going to hit on guys that he's he's getting in later rounds that he thinks should go earlier so Jake why don't you kick things off with a couple of the guys that you're getting in later rounds and mock drafts yeah so I've I've done done a ton of 12-man leagues uh threw a few tens in there just to kind of see how it was going and the the first guy I want to kick it off with you guys are gonna be shocked to hear me say is Leonard Fournette He's still the number one guy there. Everything on that team is going to go through him, and you're getting him in rounds four in a lot of these drafts, which is insane. I'm still taking him in round two if you're if you're picking early and you got the late of the you know late late pick of the second round. He's phenomenal there. With as Jamie and I were talking off the air, as crazy as this running back situation is, he's safer than a lot of options. Yes, you have the injury risk, but the volume is absolutely going to be there. Uh, the other guy is AJ Green. He's not on IR, people. Like, this is insane to me. I was getting him in rounds 9, 10, and 11. Thank you so much. Thank he you might, so much. He might miss two weeks if he misses four. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? AJ Green, pretend he's suspended for four weeks and as Julian Edelman for last year. And Edelman, you couldn't get in the ninth round because he's already gone, knowing he was going to be suspended for four weeks. AJ Green's going to have at least that volume. He's going to put up those numbers. He's in a contract year. That one, to me, was absolutely insane. A couple other guys... Devin Funches, if, if Andrew Luck is healthy, I really like the, the having that possession guy, third down, second and seven, a lot of catches. I think he's going to have a lot of targets. I don't know how many touchdowns he's going to have, but I think the volume could be there in a PPR league. Uh, and I think Robbie Anderson could be another guy that nobody's talking about. He's still really the number one guy there. Jameson Crowder is going to get some uh, a, a lot of volume in the slot. But I think that's, there's a decent play there as well. And I'd like to say Dalvin Cook, but he's gone in the top seven now because everybody jumped on that train because the running back room is so absolutely nuts. But the, the two big – and then Kalen Blage, I know Jamie's going to talk about it, I think, but I was getting him in the same thing, like rounds 12th. He was like the fourth or fifth running back I was taking in almost every one of those drafts. That's probably going to change now with the Kenyon Drake news. Um, but, I mean, A.J. Green and Leonard Fournette, pay attention, do some mock drafts, and see where they're going, guys. I mean, this is – Leonard Fournette in the fourth round? That's nuts. Jamie, uh, it has to be so satisfying. At least it, I know it is for me to hear Jake talk lovingly about Leonard Fournette. I just I don't even know what to do with myself considering it's the last value. Year, it's the you know, value. Considering, I took him a twelve last year. <laughs> considering last year Jake was questioning Leonard Fournette's manhood, and now he is uh, almost like a, a like a draft crush. I'm thoroughly enjoying um, him going through this, but I think the name that sticks out amongst that list to me is AJ Green. Um, I've owned AJ Green. In in, in a league, I feel like every year in his career. And listen, like Jake mentioned, contract years matters, people. Uh, people, you're going to play your best version of yourself. And like he said, he is not on IR uh, going into the season. So just consider him like he's on a suspension. I think that was a good way to look at it, Jake. Uh, is there anybody that sticks out on that list to you, Jamie? 
Well, just to mention, for to reiterate the A.J. Green point, I take him in round six. Um, if you're looking for kind of yeah. when I would start really considering him, that's when I would take him there. He's going to give you wide receiver one production when he's on the field. You knew injury risks were part of owning A.J. Green. It's always a factor there. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. Uh, you know, as far as some of the other names on the list, I mean, Kalen Balaj is moving, going to move up with the news we heard today. He's going to move up to flex territory for me. I'm not going to move him up to RB2 territory because I, I don't think his handle on the job is terribly secure, and I want to see how he handles the workload. But I think he is now in that flex territory. And I'm agree with Jake. I have Fournette as my number 19 overall player. I'm taking him in round two. And the, the most valuable commodity right now in fantasy football is running back touches. And right now, there are a lot of running backs that we have no idea how many touches per game they're going to get. When Leonard Fournette is healthy and on the field, he is going to get a ton of touches and be very productive. Yeah, um, I, I'm just I'm just sitting back and enjoying. I think I might have to go back to last year's podcast and pull some Leonard Fournette <laughs> quotes and then mash them up with this year's Leonard Fournette. Again, quotes. I took it's, him twelve last year. It's all it, listen, man. I love it. I'm just ha- I'm just happy you're coming around on the Leonard Fournette train and you're not and you're not uh, you're in, you know your blood pressure's not going up when you start talking about Leonard Fournette this year. Uh, Look, it's another guy playing for some dollars. That's right? It and matters. He's probably playing for it somewhere else, but your manhood tends to step up a notch <laughs> when you're playing for the when you're playing for the cheddar. Yeah, those those fifty fifty hamstring injuries all of a sudden become uh, the the he's less the probable and more like he's going to start. And I think we've talked about that at nauseum. Uh, Jamie, I know you put together a list of of deep sleepers. So this this means, as I believe you said, outside your one fifty. So some of the some of the guys you could get in later rounds that you really like the value. Uh, why don't you bring bring that list out for us? Yeah, so these are guys outside of the top one fifty ADP that I'm at least fifty spots or more higher on than where they're going in drafts. So uh, the first one I want to start with is Dion Lewis. I continue to think that he's one of the most underrated players in fantasy. He's been extremely productive three of the last four years. He was plenty productive last year in Tennessee. He was the number 36 running back in, in half, pre, half point PPR in fantasy points per game. Right now, he is going outside the top 150. I would take him 84th overall. Uh, I think he's going to be on the field a lot. I don't think the Titans are going to be very good guys. And when they're down 14 points in the fourth quarter, guess what running back is going to be on the field? It ain't going to be the guy from Alabama. So no. I'm, I'm all, I am all for Deion Lewis this year in PPR formats. I think he's going to be a guy that I love to have on my bench, and you're going to want to play in your flex spot from, from here and there. I got him in a mock draft last night, Jamie. I think it was the 11th round. Um, that I got him and I was like, wait a second, this can't be right that I got him this late. Um, I think it's one of those guys that they're, so there, there's a, a theory that the fantasy footballers is one of my favorite other, other than our fantasy football podcast. I listen to their fantasy football podcast regularly and they have a theory that, People just when you think a team is going to be below 500, you just kind of count out all their offensive players. Um, and there's obviously a lot of question marks with the Tennessee Titans, but I buy into that theory. I think in general, going into every season, the fantasy community and the NFL community really kind of focus on 15 teams. They pick the top half of the league and they really focus on those guys. So it tends to be the guys that are playing on teams that are maybe not that are flying under the radar or you don't think are going to be that good. There's still going to be fantasy relevant players on each and every team. Uh, Jake, your thoughts on Deion Lewis? Yeah, I was going to put him on my list, but selfishly, I didn't want to say his name. <laughs> I was getting him in like 10, 11, 12 as well. Look, he's James White. It's just you're exactly what you just said. Everybody talks about the Patriots, and nobody's talking about the Titans. If they are bad like we're talking about, there's a ton of trash yards, which absolutely matter in fantasy when you're trying to throw it and come back, and he's the guy on the field, as Jamie mentioned. Love the player. Phenomenal hands, runs great routes out of the backfield, can run it if you need him to, and he fits exactly with what they want to do. They want to run it, but if they're down, they're going to have to throw it. He's going to be in there a bunch, and the catch, the targets are going to be there. Jamie, who else makes uh, makes your deep sleeper list? Well, one of them is, and I won't spend too much time on this because we've talked about him ad nauseum, but Mike Davis. Uh, I continue to sit here and think that I would not be surprised if Mike Davis is getting the lion's share of the carries, at least early in the season uh, in Chicago. He's right now going – outside the top 190. Uh, Last year, even with all the other running backs there, even with Chris Carson, even with Rashad Penny, he finished just outside the top 40 running backs. He can be productive even with multiple other backs there. Uh, I, I, somebody that I would take, you know, in that round 11, round 12 range, that's really going undrafted right now. So I've talked about him ad nauseum, so we don't have to go back down on on him. But the other guy I would say, and this is 
assuming Andrew Luck's going to be relatively healthy, is Naeem Hines. I think people are mm-hmm. underestimating what he did last year. He was a top 40 running back in, in half PPR formats. I think that role is going to be there again. Marlon Mack is not catching passes out of the backfield for Indy. It's just not happening. That's not the role they see him in. They've lined Naheem Hines up outside a lot last year. I think we're going to see that again this year, especially with guys like Paris Campbell not really practicing much as a rookie coming in. There's going to be opportunities there on the outside. Uh, I would take him inside the top 100. Jamie, I want I want to go back to your uh, to your point about Mike Davis because I saw this as a theory kind of floated out there by uh, it's actually by Adam Rank and then a couple of the other NFL guys and that's we know you guys know I'm excited about David Montgomery as are a lot of other people but is that the type of scenario where you're seeing Montgomery go so much earlier that maybe you go out and you get a Montgomery and you get a Mike Davis with the thought process that Mike Davis might be the guy earlier on and Montgomery might be the guy later on in the season. I mean, sure, you can. I mean, I, I think if you're going to invest a lot of draft capital in Montgomery, you have to consider taking Mike Davis late. But I would take Mike Davis even if I don't have Montgomery. Because, again, I don't think Mike Davis is going to end the season as a starting running back for the Bears. I'm not saying that. But the first eight weeks and the first four weeks, they matter too. All the wins count in the first 12 or 13 <laughs> weeks of your season leading into the playoffs. And if he's somebody that you, – you could get a potential starting running back that could get 15 touches a game on a good team and a good offense in the – 12th, 13th, 14th round, I'm going to take that chance. And you know what? If he doesn't start, you drop him and you take whatever the hot, sexy waiver wire pick is after week one anyway. There's really no risk where he's going. Guys, I'll tell you where I like it is the weather changes. They play in a really crappy division weather-wise. You're talking about a big, powerful guy, and you watched last year this offense change in November. Now, I like him early. I think there's probably going to be a lull halfway through, but I'd love to own him in November especially if I took him in the 14th or 15th round and he sat there all year, I agree with Jamie. There's going to be a time where you're going to want to play him. And if there's any injuries at all to that backfield, his production goes way up and you're going to be damn glad you got him sitting And I think the thing to note here is that he's not competing with two running backs. He's competing with one. I I don't – Tariq Cohen's touches and Tariq Cohen's usage in this offense is not going to affect Mike Davis. It just just isn't. And if there's actually the the running back I would be most concerned about – relative to ADP in this offense overall, it's Tariq Cohen because I think his touches are way more likely to fluctuate on a week-to-week basis than either of the other two running backs. Yeah, Tariq Cohen, just because obviously I pay the closest attention, he kind of has a carved out role in, in this offense and he's going he's gonna to have, he's going to see what he's going to see. But where I'm seeing him get drafted uh, as as much as I like Tariq, and obviously as a Bears fan, I'd like to have at least one guy on the team. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take him for where he's getting drafted, especially in my league that has uh, all 16 guys, uh, including myself, guys and girls from Chicago. So you you already know the, what what's happening in that league. Um, Jamie, who else do you have on your list of deep sleepers? Well, a few more running backs here. One of them I've talked about a lot, Jalen Richard. Uh, the funny thing is, I know uh, Josh Jacobs came out today on Twitter and said, you know, if you don't see me on hard knocks. It's because I'm hiding. Well, part of the reason he's hiding is because he's not on the field as much as people would like him to be. Uh, and Jalen Richard is on the field a lot. And Jalen Richard's going to be on the field for passing downs. And for the second year in a row, I don't think the Raiders are going to be very good. And they're going to need to be coming from behind, down multiple scores in the fourth quarter. And Jalen Richard's going to be the guy that's on the field making a lot of the pass catches there because he knows the offense and John Gruden trusts him. He was a top 40 running back last year in that role. Somebody that's going right now outside the top 70 running backs. Again, I I wouldn't take him super early, but when you're talking about the end of round 12, round 13, somebody that can spike into flex territory for you certain weeks. He was somebody that I had on my bench a lot last year, and I definitely want on my bench again this season. Yeah, I like that one. I think Josh Jacobs, as high as they drafted him, as good as he catches out of the backfield, I think could – if he's not healthy or it's taken him a while to acclimate to the offense, could play into that later. But I'd love to have him where you're talking about early. Because all of these mock drafts I've done, a lot of these guys aren't even getting drafted. It's insane. And you're talking about a 12-man league. If you could pick him up in 13, 14, or 15, he's going to have an absolute role, again, to have on your bench, flex territory, whatever it may be. And I think it's a thing that's important to note. Sorry, Paige, I didn't mean to cut you off there. But you don't have to, especially when you get outside the first, like, seven rounds – don't think about you drafting these guys that you have to keep them forever. If there's a, if there's a player that's going to have a role on your team early in the season, but you think, ah, you know, it's unlikely I'm going to use them late, grab them. The, I'll call it the reverse Kareem Hunt. You, everybody's so willing to take Kareem Hunt in the top 100, 
and waste the bench spot for the majority of the regular season, but they're not willing to take a player like Jalen Rashard in the 13th round who you say, yeah, he's probably not going to be much use to me in week 13, but he's going to be productive for me early in the season. It, it's very strange. You're not committed to these guys late forever. If there's a role on the team early in the season, ride them until that role goes away. There are always going to be waiver wire options for you. Always. I always tell people when they ask about what separates good fantasy football players from bad ones. I always tell them they understand that they don't get an emotional attachment to their players because you have to be able to willing and you have to pay attention to the waiver wire. Jamie brings up a really, really good point. People who hold on to guys too long tend to have issues because they're not willing to make the moves that you need to make. Uh, and listen, that's that's what these late rounds are for. You're taking flyers on guys. You're using them for weeks. You're playing matchups. You're looking at the schedule, right? That stuff matters. You look at the first four weeks and you go, hey, they play a couple defenses that aren't so good against the run. Those are things that you have to pay attention to when you're talking about these later rounds. Jamie, you got anybody else on your deep sleeper list? A couple running backs before we get to the other position. One, Chase Edmonds. Uh, he's somebody that I would take him right around running back 53. He's going outside the top 230 right now, so basically undrafted in most formats. I have him at number 134. If Kingsbury and this Cardinals offense are going to run anywhere near 70 plays a game, David Johnson's not going to be on the field for 70 plays a game. It's just not going to happen. That's just, it's not going to happen. I don't care if he stays healthy for the whole season. It ain't happening. So Chase Edmonds might have a, a minimal but fairly productive role on a week-to-week basis. Plus, if anything happens to David Johnson, he's going to be the guy. And an offense that's going to throw the ball a ton and is going to run a ton of plays. If you're taking him right now in the 12th, 13th, 14th round, even as a non-handcuff, like I, I would handcuff him if I have David Johnson because right now the running back situation is such a mess. But I would take a flyer on him late even if I don't have David Johnson. Look, this is two coaching staffs in a row that love Edmonds. Perfect handcuff situation. But I agree with Jamie. It's a guy I'd want to have. He's going to have a role. He he's basically does the exact same thing David Johnson does. He catches it great, but they love him running between the tackles. He almost runs a little harder. Uh, I love the player. And, again, they're going to be running 70 plays. So I think they're going to be throwing it a ton in the second half, trying to come back in a lot of games. He's going to be in there for a lot of that. It's not going to be all David Johnson. And uh, my last yeah, – I, I Go ahead, James. No, I, I said – I just – to me, I just you know, look at the number of plays they're going to have. I mean, he might have – 15 play, 15, 20 plays a game that he is in, not touches, plays just on a regular basis with David Johnson fully healthy. And that could be worth, I mean, that's all the way worthy of a bench spot. Don't be surprised if you see him on the field at the same time as well when Edmonds is the back and David Johnson split out. Fair point. Uh, I also read, I think it was Mike Jarecki. Uh, obviously, we're all here in Arizona, so we pay, we pay closer attention to the team who had a good little nugget on Chase Edmonds. Uh, like, Jay, like Jake said, two regimes back-to-back that really like the player. Uh, and listen, if you're going to see that many plays per game, there's going to be a lot of offense to go around. Uh, Jamie, we moving on to wide receivers here? Yeah, I mean, one other name I want to mention in the running backs, I've talked about him a lot, Andre Ellington. Uh, that's something to see if he's going to be the third down back there, particularly if early in the season if Peyton Barber's a starter. Again, someone to grab in the last round of your draft. Uh, and I wanted to put him on here, but everybody thinks he's a sleeper, so he's not a sleeper anymore. It's Justice Hill. I still think he's the best running back for that system in Baltimore and somebody that has really, really high upside if he gets the opportunity. Uh, but among receivers, uh, let's get Jake in on this too. He's been talking about him. I've been talking about him. It's Brashad Perriman. Yeah, guys, look, you're talking about a guy. I'm going to throw out the physical attributes again. He's like 6'3", almost 230, and runs in the 4'2s. He's an absolute freak of a human being. He was 18th or so overall coming out of Central Florida. And, yes, he was a bust early. He got his confidence back. Freddie Kitchens did a great job with him last year in Cleveland. And he's looked really good in the preseason so far. He's not just a deep threat. Uh, he's running a lot more routes. And he's on the other side of Mike Evans. And then you still got Goblin in the slot. So, as we've talked about, there's a lot of mouths to feed there, but he's going to have his shots. And if you go back through all the guys that have played that position in Bruce Arians' offense, they're taking four to five shots a game, and that's who they're taking him to. There's going to be weeks where he has monster numbers. Where's his ADP right now, Jamie? Where's Perryman like, getting drafted right now? I think it's outside the top 300. Like, it's undrafted. So you can literally grab him I in the last so. round. 
Yeah, it seems like a guy when you're talking about the physical attributes that that Jake brings uh, brings up. Listen, this position in the Arians' offense is going to eat, and week to week, another guy undrafted. Sign me up for that. Uh, we obviously talked about Mohamed Sanu. Any other wide receivers, uh, Jamie, that make your list? Yeah, I'm going with another guy that's going undrafted right now. It's DJ Chark in Jacksonville. Marquise Lee is not going to be ready for the start of the season. I'm not convinced D.D. Westbrook is good. Uh, he might be, but we haven't seen it yet. He, D.J. Chark is a physical specimen. Uh, where he's really showing out in training camp right now. If he develops some sort of chemistry with Nick Foles, again, a guy you could take in the very last round of your draft, he might be a guy that you're considering for a flex territory. He's got that kind of upside to him. And again, if he doesn't have a significant role, if D.D. Westbrook's eating up a lot of time or Chris Conley or guys like that, then you drop him. But for the last round, I'm absolutely going to take a flyer on D.J. Chark. Yeah, you mentioned it. When you're talking about guys with this kind of physical ability, coming out of LSU, run after the catch, go up and get it, uh, just a really athletic guy. If he carves out that role, I absolutely like him there. Anybody else, James, when we're talking about wide receivers or you got any tight ends uh, that are going to make your list? Well, I got one tight end and then some super deep sleepers. But the tight end, Jake and I were talking extensively before the show. Everybody has seemed to have forgotten that Jack Doyle exists. And to <laughs> yeah. me, Jake said he was going pretty much undrafted if he, Jake didn't take him in, in a lot of these mock drafts. I, I want people to understand, two years ago, Jack Doyle was the number five tight end of fantasy points per game. Last year, in very limited time, granted, it's very limited time, but with Eric Ebron also on the field, when he was on the field, number 10 tight end in fantasy points per game. He is the number one tight end in Indianapolis. It's not Eric Ebron. Jack Doyle's the number one guy. So I and right now he's going outside the top two hundred. He's going as a twenty fifth tight end off the board in ADP. I think he's he could be a guy that I'm taking in round eleven, round twelve. I think he's on that back part of that top top ten tight end list for me. Yeah, guys, look with all the mock drafts I was doing, if I took a quarterback as high as round eight, I was getting Vance McDonald at nine or ten taking another quarterback, and, and I'm going to put Kirk Cousins on my list as sleepers somehow because I was getting him in like round 12 in a lot of these drafts. Then I was taking Doyle again in 12 or 13. I was like going back and forth from quarterbacks and tight ends that late in the draft and getting really, really good players. If you end up with Vance McDonald and Jack Doyle, you're nobody's going to have better options than that because where you're taking all these other guys, I mean, I, I saw Kelsey going as high as 8, 9, 10. Irks going, you know, 14, 15, Kittle right in that same range. I'd be much happier getting these guys in like 9 and 12. And if Doyle, you might be able to get later than that. It's crazy. I got Jack Doyle last night in a mock draft in the last round. Uh, and maybe it's because Jamie's been in our ear about Jack Doyle, but the 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 – the out snapping of Eric Ebron when they're both on the field by that much and and just the ability that we've seen Jack Doyle be the guy before, that all leads me to believe that Eric Ebron is going to get way overdrafted this year and Jack Doyle is going to be there and he's going to be a guy that I might end up starting for most of the season as a tight end. And, and I think that's when you talk about getting somebody in the last round – even if I get another tight end earlier, like Jake mentioned, maybe it's a Vance McDonald that I plug and play these guys each and every week. If I can get somebody in the last round who ends up being a top 15 guy, I think that's what we're talking about when we're talking about Jack Doyle. And uh, Jamie's really Jamie's really talked me into him. And like I said, got him last night uh, in a mock draft in the last round. And if I can get a, a guy who's going to start you know, six or more games for me in the last round, that's a pretty damn good position to be in. He had a game a couple years ago with like 20 targets. Yeah, like like twenty, like Terrell yeah, Owens numbers, like insane. There's no way he should be going that late. It's absolutely crazy. By the way, he's an actual tight end that's on the field every down that they want to play. Ebron was going like the fourth to the sixth round in all these drafts. He's a receiver with tight end next to his name. Yeah, I'm not taking Eric Ebron in the fourth to sixth round. That's absolutely not happening. I will be getting more wide receivers and running backs and stocking up as somebody else takes uh, takes him in that position. Jamie, I know you have deep, deep sleepers. So what is the qualification to be a deep, deep sleeper? Because you've already said that some of these guys, obviously, they're outside the one. They're, you're 50 spots higher on them. What qualifies you to be a deep, deep sleeper? That they're outside pretty much the top 200. And most of these guys, I mean, all these guys aren't really being drafted in most leagues right now. There might be a couple names where somebody jumps up in a league, but these guys I just haven't seen drafted in 95% uh, of leagues that I've either mock drafted in or rankings that I've seen. So these are guys that are just 
you might not even consider drafting, but if you are maybe late or guys to kind of keep an eye on early in the season so you can react quicker than your league makes when it comes to the waiver wire. Okay, uh, James, first one, lay, lay, first lay, lay me, it on us. I'm going to go with Dontrell Hilliard is the first one for me. He's going to be taking up that Duke Johnson role in Cleveland now that Duke Johnson is gone. He's going to be the, the pass catching back there. Again, he's not taking Chubb off the field, but I think he's going to get a package of plays per game there. He is going to be their primary kick and punt returner, it looks like. So if you play in a league that you get return yardage, not just the touchdowns, but if you get actual return yardage, he's someone to kind of keep an eye on there. I That role in that offense has been at least worthy of a – bench spot, if not flex territory in the past. So I want to see how that role has value in Cleveland this year. And I would say, again, Doncho Hilliard's not going in anybody's drafts right now, but someone to kind of keep an eye on. Yeah, look, it's probably a great handcuff situation too, especially weeks one through eight before Kareem Hunt comes back. He's going to have some plays. You're talking about an offense that's going to run it a lot with Chubb. And if Chubb runs a nine or 10 play drive and he goes back out there, he's going to need a, he's going to need a break. Come talking about what we did with David Johnson, Chase Edmonds. Hilliard's going to have some plays. Other name for me would be uh, Brian Hill in Atlanta. He's having an unbelievable training camp down there. I think it's very reasonable that he could actually jump Edo Smith on the depth chart and be the number two behind Devonta Freeman. He might even carve out his own little package of plays there. Not someone I'm going to draft right now, but someone I'm going to really keep an eye on that because I just – that offense is going to be really, really strong. Devontae Freeman has an injury history, and he's someone that's having a really, really strong camp. And Edo Smith's going in the ninth, 10th, 11th round. Talking about some of these guys getting underdrafted. That's a guy that was getting way overdrafted. He was gone early, early-ish in every one of the mock drafts that I did. I like that one too to pay attention to. And so now kind of going to wide receivers, I have three more names here. One of them, Jalen Hurd. Uh, he's having another strong camp out there in San Francisco. I get the sense that from Kyle Shanahan's comments that he's kind of lighting a fire under Dante Pettis, and Dante Pettis hasn't quite had the camp that he was hoping for by basically coming out and saying, yeah, your spot as a starting receiver is not guaranteed. I think there's going to be some value there. We've talked about this a lot with Miami, but I think it's going to be that way in San Francisco as well. There's going to be value beyond George Kittle for the pass catchers there. It's just kind of carving out which guys have the most likely opportunity. And if Jalen Hurd continues to excel through the rest of this preseason, he might be on the field a lot for Kyle Shanahan. And if he is, that's somebody I want to consider with the last pick. Well, you're talking talking about another freak athlete there in Jalen Hurd. You know, he's running back at Tennessee, 6'4", 220, goes to Baylor, becomes a receiver, loses some weight. He's leaned up a little bit more than that, but a run-after-the-catch guy, really tough guy. I know going into the draft, uh, the Buccaneers really liked the, the athleticism and the, the way you can move him around, almost like David Johnson. I think he carves out a really good role. Two touchdowns the other night in the first preseason game. Uh, but I think his, his value is going to continue to go up because he can do so many different things. All the local reporters in San Francisco have really had really good things to say about Jalen Hurd. And the Dante Pettis stuff continues to be a little bit concerning. Um, and like Jamie said, there's going to be targets to go around. And if you like Jimmy Garoppolo in that offense, and listen, they have like the ninth best Super Bowl odds, which continues to amaze me. Uh, then you got to like, yeah, LOL is right. You have to, you have to somewhat like uh, somewhere else in this offense besides George Kittle. There's got to be other targets going around. And uh, Dante Pettis, they're trying to light a fire under, but uh, hasn't happened thus far. Who else you got on that list, Jamie? Uh, two more names. One of them we've talked about on the show before. It's Travis Benjamin, the forgotten man in L.A. That Chargers offense is going to be excellent. He's the clear as day number three option there. Has been very, very productive in spurts with Phillip Rivers in that offense. So it's not like it takes much imagination to see him having success there. Uh, you know, again, look, Mike Williams has an injury history. Keenan Allen's injury history doesn't really apply as much anymore. He's been really healthy for two years now. But still, he's a number three option there. He could have value. And if somebody gets hurt, all of a sudden, I think Travis Benjamin's a guy you're playing in a flex spot if one of those guys get hurt there. Phenomenal career as a punt returner. Great run after the catch. Still really, really fast, can go deep. Uh, but he's a matchup nightmare if he's standing in the slot because he's so quick. And, you know, with the little guys, it just comes out of those breaks, great hands. Uh, I, we've talked about him. I love him. Last time we talked about him, that offense is going to be fantastic. And my last name, I hate it. I hate myself already. I, I've fallen into this <laughs> trap. Uh, I want you guys to make fun of me because I feel bad for it. Oh, man. I kind of maybe sort of buying into taking a chance on a Hunter Renfro. 
Oh my god! I knew this. So, was, I knew that one of you was going to put. Honestly, I was waiting for one of you to put this on the list. So go ahead, I go just, ahead and, and say why you like him. He's going to be the slot guy in Oakland. He's gonna, I'm not making fun of anything, by the way, dude. He's going to get a ton of targets. He's going to catch the ball when he gets them. I, I just, I have a lot of question. I have a lot of question marks about uh, you know uh, that AB guy that still hasn't. I guess he's shown up now, but what he what his role is going to be? Like Tavon Williams, don't get me wrong. I'm not buying into Darren Waller hype. They're going to need somebody over the middle of the field that's going to catch a ball on third down, and I feel like he's going to be that guy, and he's going to be that safety blanket for Derek Carr. Look, this dude has nothing in his entire life been the guy with the, the little white guy with the parted hair from the South that looks like a little nerd that lights up first round picks, right? Whether it's Alabama in the national championship three years in a row or at Clemson every day in practice and has earned a spot. You're not going to play on a bigger stage than this kid's played on. Made unbelievable big plays his entire career and has overachieved his entire career. The only way I'd like him more is if he was playing in New England. I love this call. He's yeah. going to be on the field. And by the way, their offensive line has question marks. The ball is going to have to come out fast. If you're blitzing him, he's going to be the hot guy a lot when he's in the slot. He runs the perfect route every single time, extremely smart, and he catches everything that's even remotely close to him. I'm not making fun of you at all, man. I love this kid. Yeah, Jamie. Uh, unfortunately, I can't make fun of you either because I like Hunter Renfro a lot. Uh, other than his singing ability on Hard Knocks, which was oh, absolutely boy. atrocious, uh, the kid has – really really good and built up a great relationship with Derek Carr that was uh an article that I read off of the athletic that Hunter Renfro very early which doesn't surprise any of us right Derek Carr is a a hard-working guy and and so is Hunter Renfro and listen AB hasn't been in practice so that means all the wide receivers have been eating a little bit more um getting a little bit more reps and everybody moved up the depth chart as they said uh in hard knocks uh on this last episode listen they're all getting more opportunities now when ab's back in there we know that ab's going to be the man but that being said all this extra practice all this extra time to build up chemistry with Derek carr is a good thing for a rookie and listen, he's played in the biggest stages that there are, like Jake said, and he's only proven that he's reliable and catches the ball and he's going to be out there and he's going to play hard. Uh, as much as I'd love to make fun of you, Jamie, I actually really, really like this one. So no no teasing for me or Jake. I appreciate that. But two, two things of note there, too. When A.B. comes back, he's kicking J.J. Nelson off the field. He's not kicking Hunter Renfro Correct. off the field. They're not, they're not playing the same spot. But two, to me, given where Renfro – that he's a rookie, he's walking in, he wasn't a high pick, and he on the first depth chart is named is listed again. I don't read much in the depth charts, but is listed as the starting slot receiver. When's the last time you have seen a player that drafted or in that range where he was taken, like not a high pick, and that instantly steps in like that and on a team depth chart where they know people are going to pay attention, even if they don't, the coaches don't really care that much. They know people in the media and us, we're going to care. Put him on there. Like that. He's- yeah, one other thing to note on this offense, Jamie, is you don't have a lot of two tight end sets. It's not like they have two really good tight ends. that They want to run it, but the slot guy in that offense always puts up numbers. And the slot guy, when you're playing prevent, which they're going to be seeing a lot of because they're going to be down a lot because their defense is terrible, and the two-minute drill, the slot guy always eats. He's on the field because you're never in two tight end sets. He's going to have, I don't know, 60, 70 targets, conservatively to say, and – I can't imagine anything hits his hands that he drops. So as long as he's on the field, which I can't imagine he's not going to be, there's going to be production there. Yeah, um, I, I, I know, Jamie, I know you you were hesitant. I love the way you got that out. You're like, kind of, sort of. You're trying to walk tippy-toe around it. But listen, uh, maybe it's because – That could be I your Chris Godwin of last year, dude. I yeah. love that one. I like it too. I like it a lot. And uh, I have a feeling that because of the Raiders uh, and the fact that that team is – getting overlooked as John Gruden so eloquently put in uh in hard knocks you're probably not a lot of people going to be paying attention and other than AB I don't really hear much uh other than Josh Jacobs name from a fantasy perspective any parting thoughts on today's podcast guys Jamie I'll let you go first you got to look for value late and the way you look for value late is look for upside and it's finding guys that are going to be on the field a bunch finding guys that have the opportunity to win a job on the field a bunch. And those are a lot of basically the names that we have talked about here. You know, some people think upside late is drafting rookies, and that's not necessarily the case. You have to see what their role is going to be in the offense. I would much rather take a guy like 
you know, take a guy like Deion Lewis, for example, who who has a set role in the offense that has been productive in the past, than a guy like I know it's a different position, but a guy like Nikhil Harry, who we're not certain is going to what their target share is going to be like, or what they're looking for, or if they're going to be successful. So you want to make sure that you take opportunity and their situation as much as their overall raw talent. And last thing of note, just somebody to keep an eye on. I don't know if you're going to have enough information by draft day, but if you want to spend the last round pick on Josh Gordon, it's not the worst thing in the world. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, there's zero information on what that even means, but if he's out there, he's going to put up some numbers. I said the same thing last week, value, 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 value. I'm going to add to that that Jamie said late. I think there's a ton of value early. Don't get caught up in the big, big names in round one and two. You got to have somebody out there that's going to play and play a lot, get numbers. And then you start getting into those five through 10. That's really where the meat of your team is made up. Don't get caught up in this quarterback thing early. Kirk Cousins in the 12th is a great place if you're taking somebody else in the eighth or ninth. I mean, there's, there's an awesome way to do this and get value all the way across the board. Go back and look at veterans that have a four or five year career where their numbers are very similar and they're playing with the same quarterback. That's an awesome way to look at it because that value is going to be there every single time as long as they're on the field. Deion Lewis is a great example of that. I'm going to be a broken record and end every podcast from now until, I don't know, right before kickoff by saying wait on quarterbacks and wait on drafting. Uh, I have gotten now since we uh, since we absolutely destroyed people who draft early, I'm getting tagged in a lot of leagues that are drafting and people are asking me to to uh, to trash on their commissioner. Listen, there's nothing more than I like than trolling. So feel free to keep tagging me in in all of those leagues because your commissioner is wrong. They continue to be wrong. And uh, listen, we are still waiting on, I don't know, a ton of big named guys, uh, Melvin Gordon, Ezekiel Elliott. We have tons of the guys that are going in the first round that we still have question marks about. So I do not know why you're drafting and wait on the quarterback. I got Ben Roethlisberger in the 11th in my mock draft yesterday. Paige, Thank I, you so much. Paige, I need you to talk to my commissioner. I have my big money auction draft is Friday night. Yeah, feel free to send me this his number. Uh, Wait, that goes. <laughs> yeah, feel free to send me his number. I'll leave him a really nice voicemail message uh, that we can play on the show. Uh, Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. Jake Arians on Instagram. Jamie? You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and at Jay Eisner FFB on Instagram. Uh, guys, you can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on Twitter and on Instagram. And you should follow our TDN Fantasy account on both Twitter and Instagram at TDN Fantasy on IG and at TDN Fantasy underscore on Instagram. Uh, you can find all of our content on thedraftnetwork.com. Jamie drops his rankings every Tuesday. You're going to want to pay attention to that. And, oh, by the way, it's Wednesday, and there is a big announcement happening on the Draft Network. So make sure you're paying attention to their Twitter and their Instagram account, at Draft Network LLC on Twitter, uh, because they're going to be dropping some, some new stuff, and so are we. So pay attention to that. Have a great Wednesday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.